Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our midweek Bible study. I'm Pastor Tim from Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's great to be with you today. Thanks for taking time to join me. It's Wednesday, May 11th. We're continuing in our study of Philippians. Last time we talked about what Paul had to say about how the Christian should live, and we were reminded of the importance of unity among the Christians and how we need to demonstrate love and humility and to consider others as more important than ourselves. Today, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and we'll focus on Christ's incredible example of humility as he gave up the glory of heaven and came down to earth to become the sacrifice for our salvation. All that and more in a moment, but right now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory for this time. Thank you for the very breath we have today, and thank you for the privilege to study your word. I'm so grateful for all that have come today. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. There's an old country song that says, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Jesus was perfect, but he would never have sung that song. He is certainly the best role model we could ever look to for the virtue of humility. Here are some opening questions to help us look at our experiences and thoughts about having role models and being humble. First question, growing up, who was your role model and why did you admire that person? Growing up, my dad was great and I learned a lot from him, but it was my mom who was the real role model. She was dedicated to her family and career. She worked really hard and didn't let go of her dream to be successful in all areas of her life. And she never lost sight of the fact that family came first. Second question. What would take the most humility for you to do? Would it be cleaning the bathroom toilets? Maybe admitting to a family member you were wrong? How about riding public transportation to school or work? Or taking care of a bedridden person? Or maybe there's something else. What would take the most humility for you to do? Definitely for me, admitting to a family member I was wrong. For anybody, for that matter. I've struggled with that throughout my life. But the Lord has been and continues to be gracious to me by giving me grace to admit when I'm wrong more easily. Our last opening question. If you were to rank yourself today on a humble meter from 1 to 10, 1 being I am only worthy to be here by God's grace, to number 10, my exemplary humility is only one of my many excellent qualities. What level would you choose? Most definitely, without a doubt, I would rate myself a one. I am only worthy to be here by God's amazing grace. Amen to that. Let's get to reading our text today. Open up your Bible or Bible apps to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and note all that Jesus gave up to save us. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare 
that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. After mentioning the need for humility in verses 3 and 4, Paul now goes on to point to Christ as the model for living a humble life. Jesus especially showed this humility by being willing to give up his status of unity with God the Father in heaven to take on human form and experience human suffering here on earth. If Christ were willing to do that, shouldn't we be willing to do humble acts to serve him as well? Let's talk about it. Here's our first study question. Which phrase best expresses how you feel about the idea that your attitude should be like that of Jesus Christ? Perhaps, oh sure, like that's going to happen. Or how about, well that may work for Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, but it's not me. Or maybe, sure, reach for the moon. Or maybe, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. And God, of course. Maybe, what God calls us to do, God strengthens us to do. Or maybe there's another phrase that best expresses how you feel about the idea that your attitude should be like that of Jesus Christ. For me, the phrase is what God calls us to do, God strengthens us to do. I've gotten to the point in my life where I realize that God's ways are not my ways and that he really does know best. And I've also learned that, as the saying goes, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Thus my answer, what God calls us to do, God strengthens us to do. Question two, what would you say is the most amazing thing that is mentioned in this passage? Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. What's the most amazing thing mentioned there for you? Would it be that one who was God could also be humble? That Christ loved us enough to choose to go through suffering for us? Maybe that one day every knee will bow to Christ? Or maybe there's something else. What would you say is the most amazing thing that's mentioned in this passage of scripture? There are certainly several amazing things mentioned in this scripture passage. But for me, the most amazing thing mentioned is in verses 9 and 10, where God gave Jesus the name above every other name. He elevated him to the highest place of honor and that every knee will bow anywhere and everywhere and declare that Jesus is Lord. That is simply mind-blowing. Number three, look at verse five. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The question is, what does it mean? Many people can't control their attitudes or moods, but Paul isn't having any of that. He's saying that spirit-filled Christians should not be slaves to their attitudes. Christ Jesus had a particular attitude, so must we. One of the great myths of popular psychology that has drifted into the church today deals with impulsive behavior based on emotions. Those who accept Jesus Christ as Savior enter a community of believers, the church. Believers are to obey their Savior because of who he is and what he's done on their behalf. Paul describes this more in verse 6, which leads us to number 4. Let's read verses 6 and 7. They say, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And seven, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. The question is, why did Christ give up his position and power as the son of God? 
Well, let's look at verse 6 first, because in verse 6, it describes Christ's status as he existed before the creation of the world. That is his pre-incarnate state. Jesus was God. Everything God is, Christ is. The equality is in essential characteristics and divine attributes. But Jesus did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but set them aside for a time in order to become human. When Christ was born, God became a man. Jesus was subject to place, time, and other human limitations. What made Jesus' humanity unique was his freedom from sin. He did not give up his eternal power when he became human, but he did set aside his glory and his rights. He took the humble position of a slave. What appeared on earth was not a prince in a palace or a royal king or a wealthy or scholarly teacher. Instead, Jesus' entire life was devoted to serving others. Check out Isaiah 53, 2 and Mark 10, 45. In his full humanity, we can see everything about God's character that can be conveyed in human terms. Number five, question. How does today's scripture passage challenge society's definition of success? Well, according to Merriam-Webster, success is defined as the fact of getting or achieving wealth, respect, or fame. But according to a 2014 survey conducted by Strayer University, success is no longer about a car or a house. Instead, people are focused on leading a fulfilling life, whether that means finding a better career, achieving personal goals, or spending more time with their families. But Paul explains that the way up is down. That's right. Down is up, up is down. The way to be great is to go lower. The way up is down. The logical flow of the book of Philippians has been building up to this great truth. Paul issues two commitments to living an upside-down life. He says, number one, imitate Christ's model of humility. Look at verses 5 through 8. The way you can imitate Christ's example is by giving up your rights. And number two, appropriate Christ's lordship of creation. Verses 9 through 11. True biblical humility occurs when one recognizes the greatness of Jesus Christ. Number six, question. According to verse eight, Christ was obedient even to death on the cross. At what point do you find yourself most challenged when it comes to being obedient to God? How about when it comes to endangering your physical safety? Or when it comes to endangering the physical safety of your loved ones? When it comes to risking rejection by your friends? Maybe when it comes to trying something challenging where you might fail. Maybe when it comes to giving up an addictive behavior or something else. I mean, this question just cuts right to the center of it all, doesn't it? Wow. Sometimes my obedience to God is challenged when it comes to trying something challenging where I stand a good chance of failing. But my obedience to God is also challenged when it comes to giving up specific behaviors which could include some kind of eating, watching TV, the computer, or cell phone, things like that. Number seven, look at verse nine. It says, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. The question is, why did God honor Jesus this way? 
because Jesus willingly set aside his glory to totally obey the Father's will, God raised him up to the heights of heaven. God did not leave Christ in the grave, but raised him from the dead, brought him back up to heaven, and glorified him, and made him the Lord of both the dead and the living. That Jesus' name is above every other name refers not to Jesus' title, but instead to his name that signifies his person. In the Bible, names often reveal a person's character. Jesus' dignity and honor are above all others. Because Jesus did not cling to his equality with God, but willingly obeyed God in order to carry out the plan of salvation, God honored that obedience by giving Jesus this name above all names. And the last question for today, number eight. Look at verses 10 and 11. They say, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Here's the question. These verses say that every knee should bow and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Does this mean that at some point all will come to Christ, or simply that at some point even non-believers will realize they were wrong? No, everyone will not be saved. The Bible tells us there are those who go to eternal punishment. And the reason is that they've not trusted in Jesus as their Savior so as to be delivered from the righteous judgment of God. And yes, even non-believers will realize they're wrong. Every tongue in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will recognize Jesus as Lord, either because of belief or because of mere acknowledgement of the indisputable fact. No tongue will be silent. No knee will remain unbowed. All of creation will recognize Jesus as Lord. Well, that brings us to the end of our study today. Here's a recap of what we've talked about. Today, we looked at how Christ demonstrated humility by choosing to be a part of the suffering of this earthly life. We were reminded of all that he gave up to provide a way for our salvation. I have an action step for you this week. In the coming week, take some time to appreciate God's majesty in nature. Perhaps watch the stars come out or go to a park and thank him for his goodness and love. Next time, we'll study Philippians 2, verses 12 to 30, and we'll consider some of the pastoral concerns Paul had for the Philippian church and what they might say to us today. Thanks for joining me. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.